Hey, podcast world. Hey. You know why I did that, don't you? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Rob, have uh, you ever been to Canada? I actually have. I've been to Banff and Jasper. Jasper. Mm-hmm. We have a Jasper, Jasper, Texas. Is it different than Jasper? It's not the same, I guarantee you. I guarantee you. We have pine trees. Do they have pine trees in Canada? They have a lot of pine trees and a lot of snow and a lot of gorgeous, amazing landscape. I went to Banff and Jasper many years ago, and it was stunningly beautiful. And Lake Louise, I think. And I'll never forget it. So we are talking about Canada. Why? Well, because our guest is from Canada. We're so clever. But it's not our first guest from Canada. Isn't that interesting? No, it's our third we figured out, right? Are we a international podcast? I think that we could say that, can't we? Well, didn't we we have somebody on from Israel? No. Oh. We met somebody from Israel at InsureTech. Oh, InsureTech. Okay. Well, so Uh, if you're listening to us from Israel, we're looking to uh, to reach across the sea. Come on. Come on now. Yeah. Only Israel, though. Today we have on Tara Kelly, who is the founder and CEO and visionary and brilliant mind behind Splice Software, which is a really interesting, cool player in the communication platform business Yeah, in, in a few different verticals. Yeah, Tara is a delight, a passionate person about business and about family, and just very excited to talk to her today. I think that we're going to get to really uh, see what Splice is all about, and then maybe see what's on the roadmap, perhaps. Uh, and then just a lot of excitement. I'm very excited about visiting with her. Now, they don't say, eh, like, I can't hear you. They say, I really like that, hey. eh? I really, yeah. They use It'd it differently like, than we do in the United States. I, I guess they say, like, you know, eh? <laughs> you know. You know? Thank I'm from you. Waco, you know? Thank you. I'm from Waco, uh-huh. eh? Because uh, what are some of the cl- cliche things you guys say in Texas? Y'all. 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 Yeah, y'all. Ain't. Ain't. Well, I mean, I don't say ain't. Mm-hmm. I read an article from Samuel L. Jackson, and he was quoted saying ain't, ain't, ain't. And I thought, you know, he can pull that off. It works great for him. You can pull it off. I don't know if I can pull it I'm off. I'm not an ain't guy. No one's, buy- no one's buying it from me when I say ain't. Absolutely not. No, that ain't happening. No. So Why don't we listen to a podcast, Rob? Eh? I ain't, mi- I ain't misbehaving. <laughs> well, that, that was nice. I tried. It didn't go well, did it? No. So without (laughs) further ado, because this ain't going too well, we are going to go to our podcast with Tara Kelly, CEO of Splice Software. Hey, podcast world. We are here today with a really special guest from uh, literally from another country, Miss Tara Kelly from Splice Software. How are you doing, Tara? I am excellent. I'm glad to be on the show. I forgot to say that you're the CEO and founder too. Sorry about that. That's okay. We are a fantastic horizontal team and uh, and I am the CEO and founder and I, I like it that way. <laughs> Very cool. So where, where do we find you today? So today I'm in our head office in Calgary, Alberta. Uh, in Canada, and that is just about 45 minutes from Banff, if that helps you. And we also had the 88 Olympics, which people sometimes reference. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. 
Fun fact as well, it is a direct flight multiple times a day from Chicago, which is our U.S. office. So oh, cool. um, that's, that's a good reason to pick Chicago, multiple flights a day. Cool. I was going to ask um, if and where your U.S. office is, and that's in Chicago? That is in Chicago, yep. Uh-huh. Is that where your where your sales team is, or your U.S. sales team, or? Yeah, so some of our U.S. sales team, absolutely. Um, we do definitely have some workers who work remote and from home, and uh, some in Toronto, and um, you know, so so spread across those wonderful U.S. states. And uh, but Chicago is a great hub, and it's a a great hub for insurance, and um, we like that location. Actually, it gives us good access to to really all of all of the states, so it works. Sure. So let's jump right in. Uh, and talk about Splice. Uh, why don't you give us a minute or two on Splice software, on what it is, what you guys do, and your value proposition, etc. Perfect. So Splice software is all about driving real conversations. We were incorporated in 2006, and we help our clients with customer engagement. And that can mean a lot of things. I appreciate that. Um, but if you have an issue with customer engagement, then we we want to have that conversation. So we work in insurance, uh, finance, uh, retail, and uh, a little bit in healthcare. And we help our customers try to create that kind of conversation you used to have back in the shop when it was we all sold things one on one, person to person. Um, and so by using technology and AI and what we have today to leverage the ability to take what is, you know, experiencing content at mass, which when you think about it, the website is what used to be the storefront, the store, you know, we used to hung that big sign out on the road so they'd see you. Um, now we use the web and now we can use chat. But at the end of the day, we still need to turn it into a conversation to really engage the customer and, and to be able to help meet their needs, whether that's getting them through a claims process or helping them buy their next product. Um, that can happen on SMS, on chatbots, on you know social messaging, um, and 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 phone calls, and of course the future, which I think is voice first. But um, we can get into that more later. But um, yeah, so we really want to help help businesses realize that technology is more ready than it's ever been to try to bring it back to what has been real forever, and that is having a conversation with your customer. So. We've seen in doing our research on your company that you're not, you know, pigeonholed into one type of uh, communication technology like like just SMS, for example. You guys play around in all, all the different avenues of communication technology, correct? That's correct. We definitely have a really a strong respect for consent and preference and permission. And I think what that means to businesses is we're able to guide you and support you through wherever you are. And so sometimes you might have, you know, text consent. And a lot of the time you don't, right? Sometimes you might have the opportunity to offer and solicit to your clients and sometimes you don't. And so the most important thing is to work with an organization and say, you know, how many, how many phone numbers do you have? How many landlines? How many mobile? How many emails? Where's your consent at? How much web traffic? You know, what, what percentage would chat even be able to take care of? And build out solutions that really begin where your customer is. And so it, it does start with data and having a look at what do you know about your customer today and what do you have for, for access to the ways that you could have that conversation. 
Well, that's, that's very interesting. You know, I was reading online and then listening to you talk. It sounds like you're able to, to plug into a company's system, right, in quotes, in, in, into their, their world to obtain data that they already have, and then use it to leverage these conversations. Is that right? Yeah, that's a fantastic summary. Uh, good job. Thank you. Um, that's, that's exactly it. So oh, stop. Really stop. <laughs> you're you're going to give him a big <laughs> head. So good. Well, that's the last like time Rob lets me talk. You never you never say that to me, Tara. <laughs> yeah. Five minutes <laughs> he in. He had one line. It had to hit. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, with, within insurance, we will integrate and we're integrated partners with a lot of the different core systems. And what we're helping do is pull out those key moments. So something like letting somebody know that we received their first notice of loss and this is who your adjuster is. And in that moment, you might start with a phone call that turns into a text message, right? Because you're going to text them contact info for their adjuster. And then maybe if text is their preference, they're going to turn that into a, you know, a two-way chat. So it's not just an outbound only, it's, it's, it's a chat session about booking that adjuster appointment. And maybe then you're going to realize that's their preference and it's going to stay on an SMS, but maybe it's not. Maybe you have a landline and it's going to be integrated with email. And so really just meeting the customer where they are and ensuring that you can enhance the speed and the accuracy of communication is, is all about what it takes to provide that value. So it, so it really allows the company to build uh, these workflows that kind of take you through certain situations, but it kind of allows these off ramps, right? If a customer chooses to not engage through text, but they want to maybe hop over to email, your your system would allow that or to maybe hit them where they're at, I guess? Yeah, exactly. So you have two options and it depends on sort of how agile the organization wants to deploy. So at Splice, we, we can do either one of those options where where it's where do we start and then where do we allow them to off ramp? So are they off ramping from a bot to a live chat, right? That would be an option. Are they off ramping to a voice conversation? Are they off ramping to email because it's becoming a lot more heavy documentation or do we need to get them onto your platform so you can offer a richer experience and move them through it at a more expedited rate? But the, I think the important thing is to realize it really is a mobile lifestyle and a mobile world today. So most of the time people are going to be on a smart device. And so they should be able to move very seamlessly from a call to a text, to a chat, to a, to a platform, all within that same conversation as it best suits them. And I think that's the exciting thing that technology offers today. Like one of my favorite things to just sort of wow people with is that every single phone number that's published, like every single one, whether it was originally intended to be even a fax line, you could text enable that number. And so our carriers and, and telecommunication companies have really come quite far. And now it's up to us to really add value to consumers because of it. And so recognizing that you don't need to just blast at your customer and think that's okay anymore. You should always give yourself the conversation check and say, is this two way? Are we giving people what they need? to make progress and to get to their end goal. And it's, it's exciting. It's, it's a very fast process to text enable a line. Um, and that, that's how you go from a phone call to a text message. And when you think about people in your life today that you have a real relationship with, that's the truth of it. You don't always text them. You don't always call them. It's some combination. Right. Yeah. You're, 
you know, you just opened my mind there because I never really thought about it that way. I, I'm thinking about some that Rob taught me a while back uh, whenever you're dealing with marketing, right? You got to think about your customer. What What is your customer receiving? What What do they want? Whenever they read your message, what are they they reading? How are they interpreting it? And it sounds like you really have this software that enables um, companies to say, hey, whatever you need, you know, however it's best suits you, you know, we can do it. But yet you're one of the only companies that I've really talked to who allows that that pivot, right? That if I started my conversation with you on text, I can now pivot pretty quick to to phone or I can pivot to uh, from phone maybe back to text, which is a very interesting and dynamic sit situation. Uh, so I think I think that's really fascinating. But it but then it, it brings it back to 2006, right? I I mean I don't know if all that technology was there in 2006. So whenever you started Splice, what was your original vision? Was it what where you are now, or was it different? Yeah, you know, I would love to stand here and tell you that I knew this is where we'd be and this has been nothing but a certain and perfect journey, <laughs> but I can barely get those words out without laughing as I said them because it, life is, I just don't think like that. You know, you referenced at the beginning, I'm I'm our founder and my goal from the very beginning, and it's a funny story, but I was on the phone with my bank and I was making, if you remember, go back to 2006, there was a lot of things you could do with touch tone, right? right? And right. So phone automation was kind of like, wow. And the average strip mall didn't have the internet. They would plug in their phone, right? right. So, you know, this, this, maybe that's a little further before 2006, but a lot of them were still just really catching up. And so my phone company or my bank rather had changed from touch tones. I was calling in to pay my visa as a normal thing for me. And uh, here I go on the, the 17th, it was my day and I'm on the phone and I'd memorized the way to route through this stinking IVR. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. I was actually talking to a friend and I was kind of just doing it out of memory and it had just changed to all voice prompts and it wasn't fantastic to say the least. Yeah. And I put the phone down and I was angry and I looked at my friend and I said, oh my God, I do better for dog groomers. Now, at the time, I was running a different company that did appointment reminders for tons of small businesses, okay? So anything from chiropractic to hair salons to you name it, small businesses, that was my jam. That was my, and that was my space. <laughs> and so I, 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 I thought about that later that night and I was like, huh, yeah. I wonder who pays more, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it wasn't just that, but I was like, they need this and they, we deserve a richer, better experience. So my heart from the very beginning, and I, I say that because I think that is why you get up in the morning and work really hard and it's how you get to build a, a really amazing team of amazing people. You have to have your heart in it. And for me, I just thought we can do way better. Like it needs to be more responsive. It needs to sound and feel more human. I need to trust this voice and I need to feel certainty. And this experience feels so clunky and awkward. I'm it's distancing me from this brand. And I, I felt like a lack of trust of like, oh my God, is this going to work? And it was, it was generating all these feelings. And I actually ended up going into the bank and doing my payment at the time, just because it was just so, so clunky. And so I thought to myself, 
we can do better. And, and so when we first launched this company, we were highly focused on, on collecting consent because 2006 too, they'd already announced the, you know, anti-spam legislation of 2008. So we were really aggressively building out consent preference management systems so that businesses wow. could have dialogues with their customer as we saw fit. And, and we built out voice libraries in different languages and different tones and dialects. And, and so it was just really about trying to bring, I would say, and, and I still love to say it, we don't really mm -hmm. use it in marketing vernacular anymore because it's become a buzz, but it's humanizing the digital experience, right? How can I make this feel different? I don't think that part's ever changed. And so it, it, how we need to do that and the tools that we are privileged to work with, like things like the fact that a phone number can be text enabled. Well, that wasn't true. Everyone had to have a shortcut or, you, you know, or sorry, a short code or a long code, or you, you couldn't block blocks to text, but the world has changed. And it, it's about having real conversations and building trust and humans know how to build rapport. Machines aren't real good at it, but we can gain trust if they successfully do it for us multiple times. And so I, I try to take all of those intersections into our roadmap for our product roadmap and say, at the end of the day, we are trying to create trust and we're trying to offer a humanized experience where you can build that trust at scale, right? So, so, so in other words, AI is a big part of what you do. Yeah, I think AI is a part of a big part of what we all do, um, even when we don't know it. You know, if you've used your phone recently to decide which way to get to work in the morning, you know, AI is a big part of what you do. So yes, it is a big part of what we do. Um, and learning how to build a database that is going to be able to be responsive and accurate and proper weighting. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's tons of room, opportunity, and we're just so new and fresh in this space. So if I can, if I can build on that statement, you know, AI is a big part of what you do. It is. And I think that's why you see such a high percentage of interactions at scale that are becoming conversations because we all crave conversation, not just one way blasts. You're seeing it on text right now uh, because the computer is trying to learn to be smarter and smarter and understand what words mean and what they mean when they're together and when it's sarcasm and, and all different inter, inter, you know, connections there. And once we mature a little with our text automated conversations, you're really going to see the explosion of full speed voice interaction where we're able to have a voice dialogue with a computer and it's accurate. And so the exciting thing is when you build out these chatbots, those are the structural knowledge bases that will feed our full voice automation. Right. I think with privacy and, um, and all of the concern we have there, we're just, we're not quite comfortable with when is it listening and when isn't it, you know, even though in our phones have been in our pockets listening for years, I always laugh. Somebody freaks out at an Alexa speaker, but they have Siri listening all the time, but whatever <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard for us. So I think automation and consumer privacy are really the two front issues that are driving our behavioral change. So um, define a real conversation. You, you've mentioned that term many times. Real conversation doesn't necessarily mean between two human beings. No, no, it, it doesn't. And so for, for us, for it to sort of pass the litmus test is it has to add value. And I can either do more or know more or be better because 
of that conversation. So if I can feel safer, if I can understand what is the next part in this process, if I could have fully completed my form, wherever I am for a conversation to be real, it needs to be able to be dynamic. It needs to be able to adjust and it needs to leave me in a more informed place than I was prior even if the fact is I've informed you, right? right? I now know that, you know, I'm more informed right? and you're hopefully more informed. You know, it's interesting that you say this because I've had, um, as we all have a, a variety of experience using chat, you know, technologies like this communication technologies where, uh, um, the, the machine does a good job and, and there's been ex- examples where the machine does a bad job either both times. Um, you, you know, you're, you kind of know if you have a certain amount of education, you kind of know you're talking to a machine, but, um, it's always interesting to me, is it the machine that's the problem and the coding that's the problem? Or is it the people that have created that, that maybe their empathy wasn't strong enough or their understanding of the customer interaction wasn't strong enough, or maybe they deployed something too early. You, You know what I mean there? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, those are all fantastic questions. And in a way, they're they're all accurate. So there is a group out of, of California right now that's propositioning that we should have presidents that are robots and that they would be able to make the strongest law. And, and they're very sincere, logic-based <laughs> decisioning, and that you can have a certain amount of empathy and consideration and politeness and, and that the accuracy would be worth it. And and so there was a fantastic debate about, well, how do you program empathy? Well, it's only as empathetic as those that programmed it. But what is empathy and what is natural bias, right? So without turning this into too mm-hmm. much of a theoretical debate, I, I would just say yes. Okay. Like the, these are the most important questions because every single person who writes that will have an element of bias and it will be present in the learning model. But once it begins learning, I, I guess the, the thing that I always come back to is, we do all have to work together. We're we're in a very you know infantile place here in as far as chat and 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 all of artificial intelligence. And so there's a patience and a learning together. But we do want to be arriving you know as smart as 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 we can in these situations because the technology is learning and growing very fast. And so I do encourage everybody to you know participate as long and as far as you can and and understand how to work with this tool best. But to your to your point before and the summary of splice that's why we think these intersections and these off ramps or whatever word you want to use you really have to have to be fair and that you can't say to somebody well your only option is the bot like forget it that's how this works right I, I, you can that's your choice that's your brand choice but i don't think that's where you see the better you know, customer experience based brands and companies that really value that loyalty and understand lifetime value. Um, you have to allow the individual to route through many different, you know, channels to be able to have a positive experience um, and to get where they need to. And you can do it very cost efficiently by watching your results and seeing what works um, and, and seeing what doesn't. So let's talk a little more about Splice and, and talk about you said that you work in a number of different verticals, yeah. Which is which is another interesting thing. I mean, I've mentioned this on the on podcast before. My son runs a runs a SMS company strictly for e commerce. Yeah. And um, 
and I've talked to him. I said, you know, I've said to him, you know, you should think about insurance. You should think about these other verticals. And he's like, dad, there's, you know, there's so much here. We, we don't even want to think about other verticals. So is that must be challenging to talk about working in multiple verticals with your product. Oh, that's going to be, um, what's that? Briefly. Yeah. That's a big question. And it's, uh-huh. um, that, that's fair. So we hold down the limited verticals we have, not because our capabilities wouldn't work, you know, in entertainment and hospitality and, you know, the, there's and, and, and travel and, and so for us, that's where we use that word engagement. Uh, everybody wants engagement. It, it, it can work across the spectrum, but we work in verticals where you need a higher touch. So we say retail, but today Splice predominantly works with high ticket retail. So things like boating, jewelry, furniture, high ticket, because you're investing in lifetime value with the customer. You're not being purchased as much on proximity right? Um, whereas if I need to pick up a chocolate bar or a t-shirt, it might be whichever store is closest. You know, I'm going to like it. Don't get me wrong, but there's a different thinking that goes into it. So when we chose our verticals, um, we were very careful to ensure that there were details and critical information throughout the journey that had to be, you know, conversed. Um, and that's how they came together because what we have been able to do, and, and since 2006, we've sent literally hundreds of millions of conversations in our platform, hundreds of millions. That is a big number. And it allows us to learn so much by structuring that data right. And so we can have somebody that, you know, uses TurboTax, that shops at Lazy Boy, that insures with AAA, that right, we're learning how they interact across multiple brand experiences and then use that data to ensure that we're talking to you at the right speed, right? The right pace and giving you the right options to go, you know, from a call to an SMS or just from a chat to a call or whatever that is. And so choosing verticals allows you to know the benchmarks, a better sense of success, the company's tolerance for, you know, how long it's going to take in ramp up time. It gives us better support material as far as all the stakeholders involved. It's not that it's it's not enough that you come there with the right tools. You have to understand what the problems are that they're trying to solve and you need to understand um, the metrics and the, and the pace. And I think that's why sticking with, you know, a limited set of verticals is really critical, you know, unless, unless you're a Google, you know, or you're a zoom or, you know, your product just doesn't function that way. Sure. Um, sure. But we sure. really are a solutions company. And so when you, you know, drill in further and, and, you know, without making it, you know, a big sales pitch, but looking at the use cases that we work with, we're, we're mm-hmm. working with some very specific use cases. So, you know, Things around, quote, follow-up, first notice of loss, claims closure, adjuster appointment reminders, right? So a health appointment reminder is not night and day different. Furniture delivery reminders, not night and day different. But we really did map it very carefully to make sure that the expertise of that experience would hold. Right. And so regardless of the vertical, the use cases have um, similarity. Absolutely. So so, so, So you're just applying them... Otherwise, let's talk for a second about Alexa and Google. Yeah. And, or, or Google's product. Tell us how you're using those. So. For your, because aren't those aren't those a product for the home or? Absolutely. How, so how have you integrated those? Yeah. So what we're talking about are the speakers that right now you know ninety percent of users 
are using to play any of your online music that you subscribe to. You're asking the weather. So you would look at like a Google Home. Um, they come in some different models and, and sizes. Apple has come up with their product as well for music and some other different skills and, and whatnot that you can deploy. So you would have to download apps. So you should think about these speakers very much the way in some ways you think of your mobile phone. If you were fair to the phone and went back, you know, eight years, you would be more comparable. You only, it can only do as many things as you download, right? So that's a really important, really important piece to not miss. But once you've downloaded a skill, and I'll give you two of my absolute favorite use cases for Alexa. Um, when you want to do a voice enabled activity, and you want to get some sort of an update or have a conversation, you want to consider that you're going to probably be in your own home or your car, and you're probably doing something else and you're in a hands-free. So these kind of skills are not best done on a busy subway. It's, it's not where it would happen. But what you might be doing is rushing home, trying to get supper, and you quickly want to find out if you guys have contact lens coverage because your young daughter has decided she needs to stop wearing glasses and wants contact lenses right? This could happen. So you would say, Alexa, you know, ask Splash Insurance, do I have contact lens coverage? And she could say, yes, you have contact lens coverage of $268. You have a remaining $268. Mm -hmm. say, Great. Thanks. Right. Ask Alexa, where's my nearest opt ophthalmologist? Great. It's here. And then it could tell you, here's the approved ones in your insurance plan right? Oh. Okay, great. And then you could say to the skill, okay, text me the address of the one on seventh street. Bam. Okay, we just went multi-channel, right? Mm -hmm. This is a beautiful experience. But in order to, for you to do that, you would have had to have downloaded, let's just pretend your your health, you know, your um, your uh, benefit provider was Splash Insurance, okay. right? So you would have had okay. to have downloaded Splash Insurance's skill. Those are absolutely hands down where we're going. They're, they're streamlined, they're smooth, they're beautiful, they're massive value. And they're not actually requiring something different than a chat. You could have, can you picture, you know, you could have chatted that discussion, right? But if you were making supper, chopping the onions, talking to your kids and yelling at the dog, this is way better. I could see how that could add value. How would a customer go about getting there? Yeah. So uh, step one is your carrier needs to decide, hey, we want to invest in making this skill available. And that's certainly a dialogue and a conversation that carriers are having. And the next thing is you have to decide at some point, because you probably didn't just buy your insurance, right? Let's be honest. You have to decide to look and decide, hey, I want to download that skill, right? So in this case, we're talking about Alexa. It could be Google. They would We would call them actions, not skills, but they're basically like an app that lives on the speaker. And you would have to download that and then authenticate from your mobile device. Once you're there and it knows who you are, you would be able to have access to those kind of, you know, juicy bits of information. Like, do I have contact lens coverage? Um, mm -hmm. So there's a couple steps. And I think like any new program, consumer adoption, you know, is slow, 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 and then it just blows up. But if, if the numbers say anything, it's that we're adopting these speaking devices, these home speakers, these voice first devices at a rate that is three times faster than we adopted the iPhone. And we wow. all thought that was really, scary. yeah. And and I'll pull some stats for you post show and send them your way. But I, I would encourage anybody in your audience to look it up. The adoption rate is crazy, and people that buy one are likely to buy two more because they're putting them throughout their household. Now today, 
yes, we're just asking it, what's the weather? What's right. my calendar? Which right. is, you know, starting to get into data. Can I play my music, right? We're using them to control speakers, maybe mm-hmm. lights, but predominantly weather, traffic, news. Uh, but, uh, you, you know, to your question, there's just this couple more small steps of us saying like, hey, what else can it do? And that's when you start to search and you find, wait a minute, my providers, different people that I utilize have these great skills. I should, I should definitely, um, you know, activate them. So you see a time where basically if I have a fire in my kitchen, I can go to my uh, digital home assistant and file a claim and say, Hey, Alexa, file a claim. Yeah. And you know what? Hopefully you're sitting in your car at your neighbor's house or something drinking <laughs> coffee because you call the fire department. And you're not in the kitchen, uh-huh. <laughs> but you're using Alexa in your car. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm teasing you, but yeah. Or, you know, the fire's over and you're crying and you're drinking wine and crying about your, your big fire because you really should never be cooking anyways. That's what Skip the Dishes is for. Um, maybe something <laughs> like that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think to believe that as homo sapiens, our, our functional process was to communicate with our thumbs on small screens is bizarre to our species. We definitely are our most efficient. This is why the explosion of podcasts, there's so much beautiful research um, on the complexity of what is the human voice and what is communication and how do we build trust and what does it feel like? Um, and I love the fact that organizations like Splice and, you know, a very, a very choice others, you can actually go to studios and you don't have to use Alexa's voice. You don't have to use any one of Google's voices. You could use any voice and put it on that device. And so when you think about building loyalty and having a conversation, make sure it belongs within your brand and, and really extend your brand experience to every channel that you participate on. And so in reality, not everybody wants to use devices. They're scared of these home voice mm-hmm. first devices. It's taking off, but very limited use case right now in a ways that are safe. Um, but it's coming and it's coming faster than you might think. Um, and every time you set up to have a conversation with your customer, it needs to be brand right, whether it's an SMS, a chat bot, a phone call, sure. a voice first device. So um, you've, you've hit on these uh, Alexa type devices. What else is like really cool and exciting about your future and the future of the space that you work in? I mean, communication is so hot. There's so much going on. There's so many, we're so connected there. That must be a bonanza of opportunity and, and (laughs) for your, for a company like yours and maybe even challenging, which way do I go? Sure. I think there's two points that are specifically interesting to us. And so one is the API economy, which I think we all have come to understand is that vendors must work together through API connection, right? So through automated connection for security, for privacy, um, and for best performance, right? So you see this with all of the ecosystem of partnerships. So we work with Dot Creek, who works with Salesforce, who works with Splice, who we share consent with, and you have this beautiful API as an example. So what the API economy means though is, I can start to do an automated transaction that goes something like this. You can say, you know, hey, is my car ready for pickup? I've had a car accident. It says, no, I don't care if it's a chat or Alexa at this point, right? It's that the system knows, no, it's not finished. Okay. That means the auto shop had to tell me that. What's my next question? If you've ever been through this, I'll tell you what your next question is. Can I keep the rental car, right? Yeah, have a life. (laughs) You need to know. So wouldn't it be fantastic if I could immediately ping 
you know, AAA rental car or, or sorry, or Hertz rental car or whatever the rental car company is. Boom. Yes. I can keep my rental car. Great. What's my next question? Is it covered? Mm -hmm. So we have your carrier, the auto body shop and your car rental all through an API economy, creating a single conversation. You didn't make three phone calls. You didn't have to go through three chats. It all happened. So I think as we build out what is the API economy and you can like Google that hashtag, it's got too much buzz on it, but you're watching people of the biggest players are trying to create these, you know, app exchanges where you don't have to build everything yourself. We as vendors are going to work our tail off for you and you get the good life. So that's one that we're super excited about because it adds real value. And the second piece that we're extremely excited about is it in so many ways we're about to make that next leap into conversation. And so way back in the day, every time we did anything, two people met, we established trust and there was commerce. There was a right. shop. And then we got the internet and we started to have business at scale. And then we started to blast out calls and blast out text and blast out email. But it was a one-way thing. And when we went to scale and reach for consumers, we lost conversation and intimacy. And that's where you started to see that commoditization and everything else that happens when you lose and you distance yourself from the value exchange. And so now with technology, we're starting to come back to a conversation that's actually adding value. That's quote unquote real, right? a real conversation, real conversations. And so for us, that second piece that I'm just endlessly excited about is that I feel like humanity is kind of making the loop on this circle, but this time we've got our tech on the ride and we're coming back to what we all know is right. It's that building a two-way dialogue is how any beautiful thing occurs because that's how we work together to achieve those best outcomes. And we have to bring the customer back into the conversation. We can't just blast at them or sprinkle outbound and hope they'll come. Right? It's just, this is not, it's not the same inspired conversation. So I'm incredibly excited to do what we used to do one-on-one -on -one at that storefront, at that broker's office, with your agent, in your house, at scale. And, and that, that is amazing. And what do you think that looks like? Is it, with your phone and your computer? I think we're going to, you know, so there is no your computer. Your computer is in everything. Your phone is a computer. Your, you know, your house is a computer. Your car is a computer. I can talk to my car. I think, you know, everyone yes. from Volvo to Jaguar sure. to Ford, like it's everywhere you go. There's that interface. So I do think, you know, if we could say, you know, five to seven years out, you are going to see voice as the absolute dominant Inter you know, exchange of information. For right now, I think that looks very much like more and more intelligent chat with appropriate off-ramps so that you can go back to human to human. But the more we can humanize the digital experience, the more rewarding and value exchange will happen at scale. But just even allowing technology to answer the easy questions, to deal with the things that it can, and allowing humans to deal with the other issues is mm -hmm. still expediting our process, allowing us to do it efficiently at scale and in a brand right way. Mm -hmm. And and so implied in that is that for somebody like me who's technologically challenged, <laughs> it, it gets easier and easier and easier. And all these different, my car, my phone, et cetera, my house, they all communicate together. Each different point in that um, circuit knows what's going on with the other one. 
correct. So Absolutely. So, so it's all keeping up and, and you get into your car and it says, I, I heard that you were having a conversation with your, with your roommate about this kind of music. So I'm going to play that music for you. Yeah, you're, you're, you're going to leave it on a cliffhanger and, and I, I, I'm okay with that. And, and so the one I want to add to that is, please, um, please, let's, is let's, that let's consumer that. privacy is everything. And so your story only works if you invited it to curate content for you like that. And so the number one thing, if you catch me on a soapbox, the soapbox I'd be standing on is that consumers cannot run around pretending they can get free lunch. They have to become informed. They have to be aware. Business is definitely, you know, and we've talked at length in the media about this at, at fault for, for many different things that it tricked us into and didn't tell us and, you know, did these A-B tests and, you know, wrecked an election and on and on the list goes of the power of social and technology. But the consumer has got to show up, take responsibility and, and actually act and ask for consent and preference and give it and take it and be part of it. So I, I recently wrote an article um, and it was, I said, you need to get out, you should get the equivalent of a driver's license for the internet. Because when you first got cars, there was no driver's license. If you had the money, you drove the car. And then they started putting up stop signs and a couple other things. And eventually we said, listen, if you're going to drive a car, these are killing machines. They're dangerous. We have yes. to take care of our people. You right. get a license. Well, if we're saying that technology is going to be that invasive and pervasive and and helpful and amazing and useful, then are we really allowed to run around and just say, oh, I don't know anything, but I live in this world. And I, I, I put out a very argumentative piece and I said, I don't know. I don't know if we should. I think we should say, no, you, you need a license because, because you need to, to read those things and we need to do a better job so that people will read them. There's a ton that needs to be improved, but in order for that utopia that you talked about of saying, you know, it knows I talked about this with my roommate about music. So it plays it when I get in my car in order for us to be confident and comfortable living like that consumers need to become massively more informed and they need to actually make consent based choices that they, they understand. Well, that's a whole nother conversation as right? well, right? I mean, th th you're talking about something now that's huge. And but you can see why it touches important. all of this. It to totally. You were saying, I mean, I, most consumers don't even realize what they're in the middle of. No, but why did you think that somebody wanted to give you a photo book for free for the rest of your life mm -hmm. that was interactive in exchange? Like mm -hmm. if you would have went 20 years ago and asked people for what, you know, 40 and 50 year olds experience the joy of Facebook right now and said, what is this valued at? Mm -hmm. They would have had way bigger numbers than free. Correct. Right? Yeah. They would have paid for it. Yeah. Right? They would have paid for it. And, and I'm not saying that. We need to, but what we need to realize is our currency isn't just cash. After all, it's not based on gold anymore anyways. Our Nobody currency, has it in Our free, currency right? is data. Like, yes. Yeah. And so we need to change our relationship with our currency and understand that we're always, there is always a price and there's always a value exchange. And right. I probably said that phrase one too many times well, today, too, no, but, but I think you can't say it enough. You're right. I mean, we've, we've given away our data. We had a, a, an interesting woman on recently. Kat Reese from Tower Hill in Florida. Yeah. And she said, sure. she, she was addressing this and she said, I expect, I'm going to give you my data. I expect value in return for that. I don't yeah. mind giving you my data if I receive something in return. It's a transaction. Yeah. And what, what many people, myself included, haven't realized in the past is, is that we've just given it away. Yeah. And I think that 
that is going to be part of this evolution. And I think voice first is freaking people out because it's, it's a little bit louder, if you will, not just audibly, but it shows you that it's listening. You're like, wait a minute, you're listening. Are you kidding me? It's been reading your text. Go read all the apps on your phone and the right to read every text message you have. Right? I, like, I, um, really? They, they, they have the right to read every text message? Yes. Go read it. It's scary. It, it, it's in the privacy hey, Lee, policy. We, and I we, they make it hard for you to know those things. It's not hard for businesses. And I, I guess I, if I were to, if I were to try to not just make it a scary cliffhanger, what we've learned is that starting this company in 2006, we knew all kinds of, you know, anti-spam and et cetera legislation was coming. If you are adding value to your customer and you ask their permission, can I contact you? Can I record this? Can I use this to help you? Right. If you, if you ask permission most of your customers, not like 60, but like 90, 80, 90% will say yes. And the ones that say no, they don't want a relationship with you anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you don't really need to keep spending the money marketing to those good folks or trying to fix them because they're probably not your customer. And somehow, and forgive me, but I always love doing this in our dating life. We know that. You know, you could keep going for that girl if you're positive she's the one and keep asking her to give you her phone number, but it's not okay to just go buy it or to steal her friend's phone and get it or any of those things. We know better than this, but we don't do this in our business lives. And so my message is just simple for brands. Ask permission, ask permission, ask permission. If you're adding value and your customer really is going to be loyal to you, they are going to have no problem. They'll say yes. Exactly. They'll say yes. That's exactly right. I'm going to ask you one last question and, and um, that it's a clarification. You, you mentioned voice first a number of times. Can you define voice first for us and for our audience? Yeah, voice first devices are where voice is the first type of exchange that you would have. So you wouldn't walk up to it and start typing on it. Um, so your TV might be voice enabled, but it wouldn't be a voice first device because you're probably going to use a remote first That line's starting to blur because some people just use their voice now. Um, But if it's a voice first device, it means voice to voice is the first and primary way to communicate with the device. Cool. Okay. Well, with that, we'll, we'll, um, we'll let you go back to your real life. (laughs) Sounds Um, great. Now that you got me all riled up about consent. No, this is great. uh, I mean, this is great stuff. You know, we talk so frequently on our podcast about, you know, what you do and what your product is and stuff like that. And we frequently overlook what does all this mean? Yeah. And what, what, what's its relevance and why is it important and why should we think about these things? Mm -hmm. And um, so I'm very grateful and appreciative that we had an opportunity to do that Uh, at the end of the day, just as if not more important than uh, you know, than what a product is. I live for the why the what is the what, right? But why that's why we all get up that's why we show up to work and that's why our customers work with splice because we're we're aligned in that so thank you for allowing me to talk about that and um it's been a pleasure speaking with you both i really enjoyed our conversation and uh who knows maybe we'll have another one who who knows Uh, just uh real quick tell us tell our audience how they would find you or find splice yes if today's conversation was interesting and you want to meet your customer where they are and and have real conversations you can find us at splicesoftware.com so just www.splicesoftware.com or give us a call and we'd absolutely love to hear from you. Great. Thanks, Tara. We'll look forward to next time. Excellent. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. Thank you. Real Conversations.
interesting topic, interesting concept. What do you think about real conversations? Yeah. Uh, you know, whenever I think of real conversations, I'm thinking of uh, being able to have open dialogue, just like me and you do, Rob, right? I'm not, you're not just preaching at me, even though you do that sometimes. We're able to have this real conversation. And it sounds like that's what they're trying to do there at Splice. They're trying to make it where uh, the consumer feels like they're engaged and connected with, with, with a company. But value added, you know, it's interesting. And maybe I've told this story on the podcast before, but I was buying glasses from a somewhat famous online glasses company. And I tried to do the whole thing through chat because, uh, not, not because I had to, but because of my interest in chat and how it works. And I had a really bad experience. Yeah. Right. I ended up doing something that I've learned is kind of an effective way to move from the chat bot to a human. And that's to get really angry <laughs> your, and, and use four letter words. Oh, dear. that usually gets you, moves you over to the human being. Yeah. We, but, um, we take different approaches, but it wasn't value added. And right. so a real conversation is value, a value added conversation. Yeah. Whoever it may be with. And it sounds like they're, they're trying to do everything they can to let a company do that. Uh, through the use of APIs, right? Mm -hmm. uh, through the use of uh, integrating with your systems, using the data that you already have to really get to know that consumer and, and mm -hmm. to communicate mm -hmm. with them. Well, listen, we really, we're very uh, grateful to Tara. We think she has a terrific company with, with a really uh, important product for today. And we encourage you guys to look them up and to check them out. And I hope that we have her on again. She's obviously a thinker, wouldn't you agree? I would agree. And so we thank you for being with us today. Please support us the way that you always had, and that's by subscribing to our podcast. As we approach 50 episodes, who would have ever thought? Lee, did you ever think we'd make it to 50? No, not for a second. <laughs> not, not, not for a second. I love your confidence. Yep. <laughs> okay. So what do we say, Lee? Goodbye, everybody.